0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Scoop. I'm your host, Frank Chaparro, editor-at-large at at The Block. And we're still here at Paris Blockchain Week. And we are joined by Matt Sarvaresi, VP, Global Head of Strategy at NASDAQ. We're going to be discussing NASDAQ strategy as it pertains to digital assets and the degree to which blockchain technology might innovate traditional financial markets and market structure. But before we dive in, I want to take a moment to thank our sponsors. What's next for digital currency after a brutal 2022? While the core promise of crypto hasn't changed, digital currency is still forming the base layer for a new global commerce infrastructure. From merchants at the point of sale to corporations that want to pay suppliers and even employees more efficiently,
1: Circle has always seen itself as a connector of the traditional world and the new world of digital currency. It's like building houses. What's the foundation, and can you get the foundation right?
0: Throughout Q1, I'm happy to host leaders from circle here on the scoop to give listeners the chance to hear how one of crypto's most prominent builders is paving the way for digital currency utility visit circle.com scoop for more information Have you ever wanted to use DeFi without being seen? Railgun is a leading DeFi privacy solution on Ethereum. It's also a leading privacy solution operating across Binance Smart Chain, Arbitrum, and Polygon 2. And yes, that includes DEX trading. DeFi and privacy together at last. Visit railgun.org to find out more. This episode is also brought to you by Flare, an EVM-based Layer 1 blockchain with secure, decentralized access to information from other chains and the internet. Flare's native interoperability protocols provide developers with a variety of high integrity price and event data, including detailed transaction proofs from other chains and information from Web2 APIs. Build better and connect everything at Flare.network. All opinions expressed by hosts and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and not necessarily those of The Block's. Podcast guests may have taken positions in the assets or other matters discussed in this podcast. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. For full terms, visit theblock.co terms service. Well, Matt, thanks so much for sitting in here in the uh, very warm phone booth that we've, we've uh, commandeered. We had to kick someone out, but it's fine. We're here now. NASDAQ Digital Assets. You guys are all over the conference center with your logo, trying to make a big splash here. Tell us a little bit about what brought you here and the firm's journey in digital assets thus far.
1: Yeah, great. Thanks for having me. Of course. Uh, this is, uh, so this is, a, this is a great event for us. Um, we are uh, in the process, of, as we've announced last year, that we, we started a digital asset business, uh, business line and really we've been focused on digital assets for um, the past several years and we've dabbled in a couple different areas. We've uh, made uh, venture investments, we sell our technology to the various crypto exchanges, uh, our surveillance tools and our matching engine services. We have uh, digital asset indexes both in the Nordics as well and down in Brazil um, in partnerships and you know, last year we announced the fact that we are going to be building out a custody solution. So. Uh, we think that you know, over the course of the evolution of, of cryptocurrency and digital assets, that there is uh, a, a need for an institutional player uh, to come into the space and really provide uh, that level of technology that we do in the, in, in the traditional markets, you know, the resiliency, the trust level. So um, we think that there is an ample opportunity for blockchain to really transform the industry Just in terms of the the use cases, whether it be uh, tokenization, whether it be the proliferation of other digital assets, being able to hold it is is one of the key components to it. Mm -hmm. So that's why we um, we've entered the we're entering into the space, and uh, and we're excited to be here. Fantastic. So it's
0: interesting. So you had many of these different products. Why sort of launch a standalone sort of unit there? Um, as opposed to just having them operate across the various areas of the firm.
1: Sure, so we we kind of look at it as we started with them operating across different parts of the firm, but realize that there's such interconnectedness. So really having that full end-to-end solution is what's important. Um, and making sure that you know we can innovate with along with the market, uh, bringing us all uh, all together under uh, a unified group, it w- was critical for us to be able to move at pace, um, but also and and create that innovation. So you know whether it is our anti-financial crime, the custody business, our trading technology, having that all together really can uh, put the solutions all from that end-to-end perspective together under one roof, and, and this way we can offer our clients uh, a unique experience that, that provides them all the services that they're, that they're looking for.
0: And walk us through what the client profile looks like. Is, is this a play where you see a world or a future in which a lot of the assets that Nasdaq trades might be digitized, and thereby the client will need a custody solution for, maybe not a Bitcoin, but let's say, bonds on the blockchain, as it were, yeah. or is it is it more a hedge fund that wants to buy X amount of Bitcoin, X amount of ETH, and you'll store it for them, or is it a mix of both?
1: So I, I really think it's a mix of both. So the custody solution that we're launching day one, um, we're looking at um, Bitcoin and, and Ethereum uh, to be able to hold for those customers, really looking to transact in, in Bitcoin, hold it in a secure environment, being able to transfer it. Um, not have to have those gives and takes between access to the assets and the security of the assets, but having that um, a really uh, cohesive solution that, that allows for both. Um, but then also the proliferation of digital assets. So as you see in the market, people are, um, large institutions are testing that market. They're looking at different things, whether it be bonds, leveraged loans, um, FX trades. Uh, so we are, um, we, we see this evolving over time. Uh, And this is why we are looking at it from a digital asset perspective. It's not a crypto Mm -hmm. business. It's not just the digital assets. It's really both of these coming together.
0: And obviously you announced the product offering at a very different time, not just in the crypto market, but overall macro. Has Has that level of interest from the client community pool, whatever you want to call it, has that dwindled or is there still Enough interest there.
1: Yeah, so it's interesting. the timing of the launch was um, at the beginning of even the crypto winter so you had the three arrows uh, mm. collapse early on. We announced after that. so mm-hmm. there was already a little bit of turmoil in the market. you were like um, let's go. So uh, we felt that there the you know trust had started to, be, to break down a little bit and they really needed that trusted player to come in. Um, and then the, um, what happened in November of last year, um, you know, just trans, uh, even forced more of the thesis that we have. Of it didn't talent.
0: cause some sort of, you know, not internal tension, I want to use the word tension, but maybe did you have to sort of go back to bat on the business after all this calamity?
1: No, I think it really actually more solidified what we were actually the, the thesis that we had. So um, bringing the technology, bringing those aspects from that tra- that traditional institutions are looking for. So whether it be segregation of duties, whether it be having control from a risk management profile and a risk management process, all of those things built into the technology and utilizing technology as an infrastructure, that was the thesis that we had, is, is being able to provide that and now with um, what happened you know, late last year in 2022, this would really help solidify that. So when we, when we went back and reevaluated it, we looked at it as, are we on the right path? And you know, we looked at it as, yes, we think we are on the right path. path. Having that foundational aspect of custody was absolutely critical. And we see institutions, not the ones, you know, they're not even backing away from the space, but they're actually looking for players like us to say, mm-hmm. great, they know how to deliver it. They've done it for 50 years. They're innovative in a regulatory environment as well. Um, so those that can innovate in a regulatory environment, we think are the ones that are, going, that are going to win and can help us grow in the in the ecosystem. So that's why uh, it helps solidify that thesis.
0: Yeah, because you kind of had a total meltdown or breakdown of crypto's market structure and capital markets. My job is—it's become a lot easier because <laughs> the number of firms I'm responsible for covering have—it's—it's it's halved, yeah. right? Yeah, you sure. go down the list, BlockFi, which was looking to do Prime, you have uh, FTX, obviously no longer in the picture. Genesis is in a very precarious state. Uh, the custody providers are fine. It's a sleepy business. There's not as much, as much risk, but even with, let's say, Galaxy BitGo, you know that deal fell apart, and that was supposed to be a, there was supposed to be a Prime business that came out of that. Um, but, but to your point, I, I guess what you're, you're sort of hinting at here is you, can, you have downtrodden space where people might want something a bit more stable and a custody provider. But what is the sort of, you know, how many folks out there, um, you know, if, if they're dabbling in crypto, just want to custody Bitcoin and ETH? Yeah, as opposed to like the longer tail of assets.
1: Yeah, so I think what what we saw last year, early last year in twenty twenty two and twenty twenty one was uh, more of the proliferation of those altcoins um, and having that that extreme breadth of product. And you had people go down that altcoin path. Now I think what you're seeing is actually move back more towards the majors. So really, Bitcoin and, and Ethereum and some of the other uh, other chain, other layer ones. But so, you know, that compression back down as opposed to the proliferation Mm -hmm. uh, uh, into thousands of coins. We all know that, you know, Thousands of coins weren't really going to be you know, the end state that you'd have some consolidation as people build on the different ecosystems and we look to support those ecosystems. Uh, but we do see a, you know, a consolidation back, especially from major institutional investors. They're going to start with those majors. So it, it actually helps us when we think about going to market and helping those institutions bring it, bring um, their business into Web3 and into the, into the crypto ecosystem. That's where um, we've seen even more opportunity here.
0: So what's your background? You've been at NASDAQ for 12 years. When did you fall down the proverbial <laughs> rabbit hole?
1: Yeah, so um, so personally I've been involved. And in, then I'll involved- tell you my story <laughs> because it
0: involves Emily.
1: So personally, I've been involved with it since uh, about 2015. Um, but also the company has been in 2015. Mm. So I've always kind of maintained. Up. Remember that? Yeah, I've always been uh, trying to keep up to date with new technologies that can help the the ecosystem. So as part of it, in my 12 years, I was um, in the broader strategy organization looking at different ways that we can uh, expand the business, and digital assets was one of them that really piqued my interest Mm -hmm. and started to dig deep into, hey, where can we play a bigger role? We had things like selling our technology, we Mm -hmm. sell our matching engines, we sell our surveillance tools, we Mm -hmm. have an anti-financial crime business, but it was time to see, all right, what can we do more and how can we help the ecosystem from an infrastructure perspective? That's what we're good at. We build infrastructure for the financial ecosystem, so um, we went through a, a, a detailed exercise to see where, where we thought the, the best opportunity for us to provide value to the clients was, and, and that's where we came out from the custody business. So um, it, you know, it took us a little bit of time to find where exactly we want to play, and you know, now we're going uh, full steam ahead.
0: So how many people are involved in this?
1: Yeah, so we, we, we pull from different parts of the organization. We do have a dedicated unit. We are a few dozen folks today, um, and we're expanding that, that team out. Um, but then we pull the different parts of the, uh, mm-hmm. of the organization. So we wanna leverage on the best that NASDAQ has to offer from, you know, from our InfoSec, from our technology um, folks, um, as well as our risk and compliance folks. So we wanna pull from the best of the organization, but also have this dedicated unit that can, uh, that can move swiftly in, in, you know, in the space.
0: And so when, what is the timeline for launch?
1: Yeah, so we are, um, we are in with our regulatory, we're applying for regulatory uh, approval, so we are subject to that. So um, we are hopeful that uh, within the first half of, uh, of this year, we will be launching the, the custody solution, but all subject to, uh, to the New York Department of Financial Services, and we're working with them.
0: I don't know if that's gonna happen.
1: We're, we, are, we are optimistic.
0: NYDFS is not a fan of crypto right now. But I will put a spoon under my pillow for you. So, I mean, that is one challenge. One question here is what are the challenges you see to increase institutional involvement in this ecosystem?
1: Yeah, I think we've seen um, some of the challenges. But I think that the, the great thing that we've seen is even things like the price of Bitcoin um, in Bitcoin. The current environment, when you have mm-hmm. uh, some failures of, uh, of traditional banking institutions, has has stabilized and kind of grown in in this area. So, um, yeah, I think the the ones that really are the institutions that we're really looking at crypto and digital assets. Um, we've seen a little bit of a pivot in some respects. So we look they look towards all right. How can we tokenize um, other traditional asset classes? You know, what is it that we can provide? From the security, and they want to make they're doing a little bit more diligence on mm. who they partner with, um, which bodes well for us. But um, you know, I think the the tokenization aspect has come back into vogue. It was in vogue three years ago or yeah. so. It's come back into vogue here. So, uh, I, yeah, I think the, the the conversation has has changed a little bit. But those that are pushing forward, you know, are still um, are, are still on that path. So, why do you think it is back in vogue?
0: And and I was actually speaking to someone about this the other day. Um, Do you remember when they were trying to, like, tokenize a dorm room in South (laughs) Carolina? I think it was Harbor that was working on that. And, you know, Mr. Pompliano was talking ad nauseum about STOs. That was what we called them back then. Why now? Why is it, you know, both things are both back in vogue, Mm -hmm. custody and tokenized whatever. Tokenized yeah. bonds, securities. What's going to make it happen this time? We'll focus on the STO. what We yeah. used to call them back in the day.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think when back you know years ago, I think the the technology hasn't quite. Um, built up to where it is today. Mm. Um, everyone looked at the underlying blockchain and they were first figuring out what it meant to be in Web3, what it meant, what the blockchain was meant to do, mm. um, bring that efficiency. I think you've you've had that catch up in the technology and the build of this, um, as well as having, you know, you need to hold the asset. So from a custody perspective, right, that has also built up and the technology and the security around it, um, all of that has started to People get to realize the efficiency that blockchain can can bring to some of these asset classes now I think the the nuance between tokenization today and tokenization years ago is Years ago is tokenization of everything everything mm-hmm. was going to be tokenized and now you're looking at all right What brings the most efficiency and how can I use it the smart contracting and the building of the smart contracting making sure that um, you know you have a very detailed um, build on that smart contract so you know, it's audited the smart contracts and now you've kind of seen the proliferation of some of these um, and the use cases. So the tokenization itself um, is becoming a little bit more commoditized in that perspective um, of just creating the token, but the underlying contract having that be the, the piece that trades and we look at it even on our carbon market. So we, we're looking at it from uh, a carbon perspective of how we can use Uh, smart contracts as a way uh, to, to trade this asset class. So you're starting to see asset classes evolve on utilizing the efficiency of the blockchain as opposed to just, hey, let's tokenize everything and proliferate it across the globe.
0: The core promise of crypto hasn't changed. Stablecoins can bring faster payments at Internet scale, from merchants at the point of sale to corporations that want to pay suppliers or even employees more efficiently.
1: Circle has always seen itself as a connector of the traditional world and the new world of digital currency.
0: USDC is more than just a stablecoin. USDC is also an open source platform. When
1: our transactions actually final and you can't change them anymore, that's another great quality property of cash because when it switches hand, it's fine. Right. Can you digitize all those good quality properties and bring that in a digital form?
0: USDC by Circle is at the forefront of this innovation. And that's why the Scoop is partnering with the folks at Circle to tell you guys why and how our industry is moving.
1: A lot of us who have built USDC, myself included and Jeremy included, we are technologists, so we approach this problem from a technology point of view.
0: Visit circle.com scoop for more information. Have you ever wanted to use DeFi without being seen? Railgun is a leading DeFi privacy solution on Ethereum. And it's also a leading privacy solution operating across Binance Smart Chain, Arbitrum and Polygon too. Shield your funds and use them privately on your favorite DeFi apps. Railgun's cutting edge zero knowledge system encrypts your data from public view. And yes, that includes DEX trading. DeFi and privacy together at last. Visit railgun.org to find out more. This episode is also brought to you by Flare, an EVM-based Layer 1 blockchain with secure access to information from other chains and the internet. Flare's State Connector acquires detailed transaction data from blockchains and information from Web2 APIs in a decentralized way, so it can be used securely, scalably, and trustlessly in applications running on the network. Paired with the Flare Time Series Oracle for decentralized price and time series data, Flare delivers a developed hyper-focused blockchain with secure native access to more off-chain data than ever before. Build better and connect everything at Flare.network. So with something like carbon credits, what do you think the timeline is for when those will trade as tokens?
1: Yeah, so we're, um, we are, we're hopeful that, you know, this uh, within uh, 2023 that um, we will have a, uh, a carbon removal credit that um, that is tokenized and we can uh, and we can help our clients tokenize those assets and and bring them to market to be able to transact in them
0: what what is the what is the benefit there we because we can think I mean I'm sure you have good a good view on this but you think about like the most liquid stocks like it, it doesn't you don't only really need apple to be tokenized because it's right. fairly frictionless to buy and you have a good understanding of it's a very efficient market mm-hmm. robust as are most of our capital markets here in the United States. but I imagine I don't have a view on the carbon market so yeah. what what does tokenization add that brings? More robust trading experience.
1: Sure, and also look at it in in the form of like hey, like equity that I agree with you. You know, there it's a hyper efficient market. There's really not much need for any sort of tokenization. But when you start to think about other asset classes like carbon or even fixed income, for that matter, that have mm. different characteristics that you need to monitor. Mm. So if it's a bond and coupon payments, um, if it is a carbon remo- uh, removal credit, making sure that it's only utilized once. Um, you see in, mm. you know, in, the, in the carbon market things have been utilized multiple times it's tracked back to you want to make sure that it gets tracked back to the actual project that's um, that's removing the carbon and they can deliver that carbon removal credit only gets used once has the, has it all built into the smart contract so you know you know when it's bought or when it's sold or when it's utilized you can um, you can mint and burn those
0: mm. That's pretty interesting. So if we were to make a list, it's what, what would you put on top? Could you delineate them, or is it a bit—it's not? It's not a perfect science. Plan? Yeah,
1: I think, I think it's the ones you, you really have to look at the asset classes. Or if classes you're thinking that. of your,
0: like, your strategy, like it sounds like carbons first, and then yeah. maybe 10 years from now, fixed income. and.
1: Yeah, I think, I think it's those asset classes that have a lot of characteristics. Carbon, uh, carbon is also a newer market, mm-hmm. um, so you have the ability to kind of shape that. Yeah. Um, fixed income has a robust market, but has a lot of characteristics that can benefit from things like smart contracts and, the, and blockchain. Um, you've seen fixed income digitize over time, but, uh, you know, bringing blockchain, even as a re- from a registry perspective, we look at it, um, both carbon and, and fixed income from a registry perspective, being able to find the, find the assets because of those characteristics that underpin it. Um, that's where all of this kind of uh, the tokenization is, is really beneficial.
0: And going back to sort of the business itself, starting with custody. Can you branch out from that and offer other sort of sure. trade execution services
1: yeah absolutely so we're, we look at it um holistically end to end so we're starting with custody because that's the foundation of being able to hold the asset but as you, as you point out, right, move it, moving the asset is the next piece, mm-hmm. right? So transacting in it, provide execution services and liquidity services. Um, our matching technology is obviously unparalleled to, to anything that, um, that exists out there. So um, utilizing our own, um, our own technology, um, we just, you know, we, we are taking a very uh, measured approach to, to, to building out the ecosystem. Um, not always the, the first one is, is going to be the winner, but it's, a, it's making sure that you have the clients that, um, that are active and they want to trade in, into the ecosystem, that you have the solutions that suit their needs. So from, as we think about it, yes, the, the, the next step for us is execution and, and liquidity services, uh, absolutely. And then we build on our anti-financial crime so we can monitor this um, mm. throughout the ecosystem.
0: And why was an exchange, the exchange has never really been on the table, um, at least from what I can remember. But why is that? Is that just, you know, because you easily, you, you white label out on the equity side to, I mean, what is it, dozens of exchanges from
1: Dubai to, I mean, you own the Nordics. Yeah, Ex- over 100, yeah you know. hundreds of, uh, of clients on, that are utilizing our technology from it, whether it be the matching engine or the surveillance. So it
0: probably wouldn't be that hard if you just white label something for crypto but
1: yeah and that's where we we, we want to make sure that we we bring the proper market structure so i think the the importance from nasdaq is we have the market structure expertise it's not just throwing technology at the problem mm-hmm. we don't want to be the we wouldn't want to be the 450th copycat exchange, right? So it's about building market structure um, and thinking through what those clients' needs are from the liquidity providers to the end users and how we can create unique order types for them and and bring uh, the market structure that we know from traditional markets into crypto um, and realizing crypto and digital assets is, um, is slightly different. But having that mm. that expertise is extremely important, so you can really get to the root of what mm. customers are looking for. So we're just taking a measured approach, and that's why we look at different execution services um, as as, an, as a next step as well.
0: No, that makes a lot of sense. So, what are you most excited about over the next you know six to twelve months?
1: Yeah. So um, obviously the, the, the launch of our product <laughs> number one out there. So um, yeah, we. I mean that Crossing that is. our fingers. Yeah. So, uh, so that, that's where we get super excited. We also think regulation is going to probably come in. Um, now it may take some time, but for us, really um, we think about this internally uh, when we every time we, we start to build new products is working with the regulators um, and innovating in that environment. So, uh, so that is really exciting for us and how we can help shape Uh, the reforms that will likely come about in crypto um, and and other digital assets. So, you know, helping with those and then, you know, all along, that's, you know, it's just, it's a customer journey for us. So, we What are they
0: saying? What are the customers saying right now?
1: So, uh, customers are are definitely interested, still interested in the space. You know, I think they're obviously, you had some hesitancy, um, and uh, we, but we do see that interest still is mm-hmm. there. You, you still see folks um, out there like the Franklin Templeton's who have uh, product out there, mm-hmm. um, so, and, you're only, and we think you're only going to see more and more uh, uh, customers come into the space uh, and really spend the time, whether it be new products, we want them to focus on their customer, and we help build that infrastructure for them.
0: Fair enough. Well, Matt, thanks so much for taking the time to share your expertise in the firm's journey into digital assets and what you expect to happen in the coming months. Yeah, really
1: appreciate it. Uh, Thanks for having me and uh, this is great. Welcome Welcome to the phone booth, yeah.
0: Phone booth, (laughs) we should change the the name of the show to the phone booth. (laughs) The Scoop will be back for you again with another great guest. Have an awesome day. All opinions expressed by hosts and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and not necessarily those of the blocks. Podcast guests may have taken positions in the assets or other matters discussed in this podcast. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. For full terms, visit theblockcrypto.com slash terms dash service.